0: This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You're listening to the MomWell Podcast. Today, we're continuing to dive into our vault to revisit some of our most popular episodes of the year. For today's vault revisit, we're going back to episode 157, Should I Have Another Baby, with mental health counselor Kate Reynolds, founder of The Mom Therapist. I knew that the decision to have another baby or not was a hot topic for moms, It's something I hear about in my DMs all the time. Some of us envision a big family, but the postpartum period was rough, leaving us unsure about facing it again. Or maybe we only wanted to, but then find ourselves navigating gender disappointment or yearning for the baby stage as our children grow up. Many of us face fertility struggles the first time or secondary infertility that also impact our decision-making. And of course, many of us have the decision taken away due to medical issues or other reasons, To say the issue of deciding whether or not to have another baby is complicated is an understatement, so I wasn't surprised that this episode was so popular, but I could never have envisioned just how popular it would be. It truly struck a chord with so many of you out there. In this episode, Kate and I talk about the factors that play into the decision to grow your family, including logical and emotional reasons, and how to find a balance between them. We also discuss why this decision often weighs so heavily on our shoulders, bringing up so many emotions. We talk about how our family's size and decisions about growing the family often get wrapped up in our identity as moms. And we talk about how to make the decision from a healed place. But before diving in, let's hear our MomWell review of the week. This is a review for our course, All The Rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection. I used to feel ashamed of the mother and wife I was, I thought I was the only one who lashed out in anger at my children or spouse and then felt extremely guilty afterwards. But taking all the skills I learned here, I can better myself and start being a better mom for my kids and a better wife for my husband. This course seriously changed my life for the better. Thank you so much for sharing this review. I know that mom rage is so hard and can leave us feeling a lot of shame and guilt for very common and human emotions. But drowning in that shame and guilt doesn't give us the space that we need to problem solve. That's why Dr. Reem, Psyched Mommy, and I created this course, so I'm glad you were able to learn the skills you needed and that you realize that you are not alone in this experience. If this course sounds like something that you might be interested in or want to learn more about, you can head to momwell.com rage. Now let's hear my conversation with mental health counselor Kate McReynolds, founder of The Mom Therapist. Has becoming a parent created a strain in your relationship? If so, you are far from alone. In fact, 67% of parents report a decline in satisfaction in their relationship during the first three years of baby's life. Parenthood brings new responsibilities, new stresses, and new potential sources of conflict. You might find yourself trying to cope with an imbalance in household labor or feeling unseen, unheard, and unappreciated. When your needs aren't being met, it can lead to a lack of intimacy and an increase in resentment. And when you start to feel resentful, it often becomes even more difficult to connect and communicate with your partner, creating a vicious cycle. If you're finding yourself feeling resentful, frustrated, or angry with your partner, talking to a specialized therapist who understands this adjustment can help. Mom therapists will help you work through your resentment, understand your emotions, help you set boundaries, communicate your needs, and help you explore what's really going on underneath your frustration. We provide virtual therapy support across Canada and are now serving 25 states in the U.S. Ready to learn more? Head to momwell.com slash booking to set up a free 15 minute virtual consultation. That's momwell.com slash booking. Welcome to the MomWell podcast, where we're committed to helping you cope with the load of motherhood, I'm your host, registered psychotherapist and founder of MomWell, Erica Jossa. At MomWell, we know that motherhood is hard, but care shouldn't be. We're committed to providing you with knowledge, tools, and support to navigate the challenges of motherhood. Our mission is to put moms back on the priority list and empower them to create a mental wellness toolbox free from judgment, fear, and shame. On the show, we'll be discussing topics such as postpartum depression, identity loss, the mental load of motherhood, and more. We'll be joined by experts, moms, and professionals who can offer advice, practical tips, relatable stories, and honest conversations. Here at MomWall, we believe that when a mom is well, a baby is well. So join us as we discuss the topics that matter to you with experts who get it. Together, we can redefine motherhood and change the way moms are treated. Kate, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on the show. I went hunting for somebody to have a conversation with about this topic of how do we decide to be done? How do we know how to make these big life choices? And I stumbled across you on Instagram as we've been back and forth a bit in the past. I'm so happy to have you here. So thanks for joining.
1: Yeah. Thank you for inviting me. I've obviously been following you for quite a while and I love everything that you do. Um, so it's very exciting for me to be here with you.
0: Yeah. I'm so excited. I'm always so curious because I know that your work is niched down in working with what we call PMADS, like perinatal mood and anxiety disorders, or working mm-hmm. with moms in that you know new adjustment to motherhood and parents in that new stage. How did you come to specialize in this work? Did you start out as a generalist or did you know you wanted to go right into this work right away?
1: I did not know right away. It took becoming a mom myself to realize that. So I had been a therapist for several years. I had started a private practice and was more general mental health. And then I had my first baby and usually I would stay home with her during the day and I would see my clients at night. So I kind of had a taste of, stay at home mom life and employed mom life. And so during the day, I did all the things with her like story time at the library, the baby and me yoga classes, the hospital support groups. And a lot of those things that I did had a lot of limitations. Like you can't come to the support group when your baby is past 12 months, you can't Mm -hmm. come to yoga once your baby starts Mm crawling. And she passed all of these, you know, milestones or, you know, didn't fit the criteria anymore. And I was like, well, what do I do now? I mm. I really feel like I depended on a lot of these things I was doing for my physical health, my emotional health. And I had a hard time finding something that didn't have a lot of rules. So I decided to start this free virtual motherhood support group. And it wasn't really a therapeutic processing group. It was more just like a peer social support group that, Mm -hmm. you know, had a therapist there to kind of guide the conversation, but really just to connect with other moms. It didn't matter how old your kids were. There were no restrictions. And that really took off. And then I started just kind of diving deeper into that area. And I learned about the perinatal mental health certification and all those trainings. My own therapist also specialized in that, and she kind of helped me understand that whole process. And I didn't even know that that was a thing, Mm -hmm. right? And so when I learned about it, I said, oh yeah, that is what I want to be doing. So I did all the trainings, all of that stuff, and um, here I am.
0: Yeah. Something that I really noticed that you're speaking to when all those like mommy and me baby groups, at least the ones that I attended or the ones that I could find were so centered on babies. So like babies, developmental stages Mm -hmm. and, you know, starting foods and sleep and all of those things, which I mean, obviously we're going through a steep learning curve during that time. And there is a lot for us to figure out and learn. Like we want support in those areas for sure, but nothing that I found was centered on mom. And I think that that's also such a core piece of the puzzle here or what fuels our passion so much as a platform because like what is mom centered in this process right baby comes out and mom is just sort of overlooked in a lot of ways so having a resource like yours or a group like yours that is mom centered is like it stands out and it's unique in all of the baby focused groups that are out there
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I think that that happens in a lot of other realms like more so than we realize like with the follow-up appointments for example we have like 12 to 20 appointments for this baby after they're born and mom gets what like one Mm -hmm. maybe two Mm -hmm. right so it's it's really hard to find that
0: yeah yeah and as a mom of two and as a mom of three boys I don't know if you're done yet. I don't know if you've made this decision. I made my decision. (laughs) I knew pregnant with three and I found out it was a boy. I knew I was done. Yeah. But not all people know. Like, I would say that what sparked the sort of concept for this episode is I get a lot of DMs and messages and even like the weekend polls that we do about how do you know if you're done or do you want another one and your partner doesn't or did you have a feeling or did you know or how does one make that kind of a decision? Mm -hmm. And... While I would say that that decision is very personal to everybody who's listening, who's going to be unique in their own financial situation and their own like socioeconomic privilege and like all like all the things, I would say as therapists there is a bit of a criteria through which we can apply to decision making for big emotionally charged things that we can talk through that might help give a framework. I would say, do you think so?
1: I absolutely think so. I know that when you and I were kind of going back and forth about recording today this concept of checking in with your emotions, checking in with your logic, figuring out a way to use both of those things right to make a decision that you feel comfortable with. Mm. And I think that that part is really difficult for people because a lot of people feel very fueled by the emotional reasoning and then a lot of people feel very fueled by the logical reasoning and depending on how our brain works, it can be really difficult to mesh those two things together Mm -hmm. to make a decision that just really makes sense emotionally and logically, you know?
0: Yeah, because what I find with clients is that some decisions we might make with all like our emotion, our emotion takes the lead and others we might be very logical about or we might think we're very logical about in other areas of life. But something about motherhood and babies feels like it should be, instinctual it like we're told that these things are sort of maternal and instinctual and there should be a knowing which to me feels like a feeling right like we should feel and know and when we step out of the situation as therapists you and I and think about how we make decisions I mean we don't want to make a decision that is just solely logical all the time like that feels really dry Mm -hmm. and boring and like lacks spontaneity and you know all of those big feelings that we enjoy and want. But then we also don't want to make something wholly with our emotions because mm-hmm. we haven't applied any critical thinking to the outcome of that decision. And so here, I can give an example of my own experience because we we had two boys and we weren't really sure if we were going to be done. It's like, do we try again for a third? Like do I want a girl? Are we guaranteed to get a girl? Mm -hmm. That was like, Mm -hmm. and everyone was asking me, like I wasn't even done giving birth to my third boy. And they're like, so are you going to try for a girl? you Are going to go for for a 40? Like, what is that? What is that? (laughs) Like, so there's this whole, there was this whole thing of like reconciling I want to say gender disappointment. And if we even sort of pause and hang out here for a second, I want to say that there are some driving, motivating factors mm-hmm. that push us to want to have more kids. Can you maybe highlight some that come to mind for you? And I can do the same of like why people feel like they might want another if they've already have one or have two. Yeah. Gender disappointment or like the potential of having a girl. That was a big one for me in keeping that door open personally. And I know that that right. happens for a lot of
1: others as well. Right. I think one answer to that might be like before you became a parent, when you imagined having your own children, what did you see? Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Did you see like a dinner table surrounded by lots of kids? Did you see one kid? Did you see lots of boys? Did you see lots of girls? Like, what did you envision for yourself? What was that ideal family situation? And I think it's important to point out that that an ideal, mm-hmm. right? Like that's not necessarily a guarantee. That might not even necessarily be what's best for you. Mm. And so when we get into it and we're like, oh, you know, I thought I wanted five kids, but here I am with two or three and I don't think I can do this anymore. We might start to question ourselves like, well, that's not what I told myself I wanted or that I was going to have. And it can feel really confusing, you know?
0: yeah. For sure. And I think about the roadmap that I had. So I had a like brother and me. So a boy and a girl, sort of that nuclear family of four until my parents separated Mm -hmm. and it was a gong show. But so this idea of having like one of either child was something that was just sort of like of course, like, that's what people do. Like, that's what my family was. And then my husband comes from a family of three mixture of boys and girls. Mm -hmm. And so in my mind, it was really like, oh, we'll have a blend of different genders in the home or whatever, different sexes in the home. And so for me, a lot of the decisions were around trying for a girl. And honestly, we were still wrestling with the decision when we spontaneously got pregnant. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. our decision was made for us. And we have our third boy, and he's amazing. And, you know, there was still grief for me about deciding, like, knowing that I was done. Like, I I was at capacity. We were done. We done, like, financially, all the things. Mm -hmm. But then to know that that was permanently a decision that we were making closed a door. And there was grief there about, like, oh, like, I'll never have that daughter Mm -hmm. to you know, interact with in a different way than I would interact with my sons. I would say like when they get married or when they have their own children, I feel like it's just a different, unique relationship, Yeah. but finding some acceptance and being okay with that. So I think that that is a big driving motivator. Like you said, that uh, roadmap or what's been modeled for us. What do you think about like trauma or if we've had a hard time the first time around, sometimes I find clients want to like a, almost like a redo in a way, or like, it was so bad or they missed out on something that it would be nice to try it again and mm-hmm. and have it go differently
1: i mean i think that that emotional and that whole thought process is totally valid right right now and let me i can speak on that personally yeah. i have a girl and a boy and i'm not going to lie like that societal suggestion of like because sometimes i get the opposite like, oh, you have one of each, so you're done, right? And I'm like, I don't know. Right, that's so interesting. Right? But, so I'm not going to lie. There is a part of me that feels like, okay, I mean, I do have a boy and a girl. Oh, maybe I am. I done, should right? be done. Should I be content? Should I be? Exactly. Okay, okay. But with when she was born, that was a really distressing and unpleasant birth experience for me. Mm-hmm. It was just everything I did not want to happen, yeah right? And so I obviously you know, spent time working through that in my own therapy. I was afraid to have another baby, yeah. right? I was like, what if that happens again, right? I don't know if I want to risk that. But in doing my own mental health work, I got to a place of feeling physically and emotionally ready to have another baby, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And because of that traumatic experience with her, I wanted that birth experience to be so wildly different, yeah, right? Like, if it turned out the same way the first one did, I know that I would have gotten through it and it would have been okay. I probably would have been really upset still, Mm -hmm. right? So I think that this idea of having a redo is a really common experience that sometimes we might feel ashamed for saying that out loud as if the first one wasn't enough or wasn't good enough. Mm. You know what I mean? But it circles back to that roadmap. Like, what did I want to experience for myself? What did I really hope that I would get?
0: Yeah. And like, can I go through this next labor and delivery and feel empowered and heard, even if it doesn't go perfectly? Mm-hmm. Right? Right. It's a big trigger point for entry into therapy, I find, when we're either trying to have another one or find out we're pregnant with another one and we've had a traumatic birth or really trying to postpartum adjustment is a really sort of onboard ramp, I find, for people to come and see Therapists like us, because there's a lot to work through there and it's emotional. So, Mm -hmm. when we come back to this idea of how do we typically make decisions and the concept being like wise mind in therapy, where we try and actually balance our emotional with our logical, when we're talking things like trauma and ingrained sort of romanticized ideals and hopes and dreams that have been wrapped up in this Mm -hmm. image, we're talking all emotion. Really? Right. And that emotion can feel very like motivating or it can feel very like it takes the reins a little bit. I don't know the word exactly I'm looking for. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it's kind of like this idea of I want to do or I want to repeat the things that make me feel good and I want to avoid or not do the things that make me feel bad.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: You know, And I feel like when we think about our past experiences or our current experiences or our hopes for the future, we identify that makes me feel good, that makes me feel bad. And we can get like flooded with those emotions to the point where it creates this gut feeling. And we wanna use that to make our decision regardless of any other factors.
0: Mealtime with kids can be stressful. But with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals, it can be a lot easier. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. No worrying about ingredients and nutrition, no prep, no mess, and no cooking while wrangling toddlers. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week, like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Factor can even be tailored to your schedule. Customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Pause or reschedule deliveries to suit your lifestyle. Take the stress out of meals with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash momwell50 and use code momwell50 to get 50% off your first box. One of the most relentless mental loads is being the juggler of medical appointments. Researching doctors, reading reviews, making phone calls to book appointments. It's a lot of stress when you're already juggling so much invisible labor. That's what makes ZocDoc great for moms. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare hundreds of types of highly rated in-network doctors, including mental health providers, and instantly book appointments with them online. ZocDoc has doctors of all specialties, including therapists, psychiatrists, and psychologists with verified patient reviews so you can make sure they check all your boxes. You can find mental health providers who offer in-person appointments, virtual consults, or both, whatever works for you. The typical wait time to see a mental health provider booked on ZocDoc is just four days. Sometimes you can even book same-day appointments. Make juggling appointments easier with ZocDoc. Go to ZocDoc.com slash momwell and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated therapist, psychiatrist, or psychologist today. That's Zocdoc.com slash momwell. ZocDoc.com slash momwell. I'm like thinking about this sort of as a process as we go. And maybe if you're in this situation and you're listening, like there might be some little reflection notes for you to do along the way here, where maybe one of them is what was that romanticized idea you had in your mind? Mm -hmm. And then maybe the next is like, what are some of the emotions that come up when you have conversations with your partner about this decision? Or when you think about this decision, is it dread? Is it excitement? All of those things, Mm -hmm. right? Because when I was in this position of indecision with, in like between my second and my third, it was like, okay, I really want, like I really envisioned my family being this way, right? Like I really envisioned a mixture of boys and girls and different dynamics and all of these things. But then when I looked at my postpartum adjustments and when I looked at the fact that adding a third meant a new vehicle and, you know, mm-hmm. potentially a new house if we wanted to have like a not them not bunking up and things like it meant so many really practical changes from a family of four to a family of five. Do I want to re-enter into this time of sleep deprivation and things like that? And those are all logical things to be considered, I would say. They're not the things that like make the final decision, but they're things to be factored into the decision making. Right. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I think that we can ask ourselves, what did we like about this? What did we dislike about this? I mean, what feels realistic and doable? What seems unrealistic are the things that I liked worth the things that I disliked, Mm. right? So it's that combination of how do I feel about this and where's the logic? So for example, the sleep deprivation.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: I always thought I wanted three kids. Okay. Right? Like I grew up in a family with three kids. I had like a loving, healthy childhood experience with three kids that feels normal and familiar to me. That's what I envisioned for myself, right? Okay. So my emotional side of things is telling me like, yeah, that's what you envision. And when you think about having another cute little baby in your arms, you get all happy and excited, right? And then my logical mind is like, You hate the newborn stage. (laughs) You are irritable when you don't sleep. You have to take months off work. Like there's a lot of impact that happens, right? And while I really liked this idea of having a baby and with my second, I had a really like healing, like empowering birth experience. And I'm like, I would do that again Mm -hmm. in a heartbeat, Mm -hmm. right? I loved being pregnant with that second baby. I loved giving birth to that second baby, I want to do that again. But then I think about, okay, well, what's the consequence of doing that again? And not consequence like in a bad way, but like what's the impact is a better word, Yeah, what is the impact? Yeah. Totally. You know, like Mm. I don't want to be sleep deprived. I don't want to be wildly outnumbered. Like I feel like I'm drowning in two kids right now. I don't think that I'd be able to function at the way that I want to function if I had three kids, right? right? And so loving that pregnancy and loving giving birth for me personally is not a strong enough reason to do all of those other things. Totally.
0: And I think that there's something about looking beyond the stage that you want. Like, you know, I feel like I could go back to the cuddly newborn stage, maybe because I'm so far removed now that I'm like, oh, I could <laughs> do it. And then the reality would hit and whatever. Yeah. But it's like the toddlers and beyond stage that I'm, count me out. Like I'm, I'm at my, yeah. you know, So, when we think about adding another baby to the family or trying again to expand the family, like to do a thought exercise to really consciously think about that child being integrated, like at each developmental stage, like, you know, and not just this really emotionally charged season of them entering the world and having this new baby, but thinking the whole sort of lifespan and just exploring how that feels, what that looks like as a family, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're removed from the years of having children and you've got like a six-year-old and you're going back or 70, whatever, is that something that you want to enter back into? If they're in college, there's a stagger. like there's all these really logistical things Mm -hmm. to be factored in. Again, not that they are going to be the driving decision maker here. We're not saying that these are like the be all and end all, Mm -hmm. but there's something about entertaining these pieces that gives us more of a realistic or grounded perspective on the decision that we're making versus just in this like sort of romanticized or rose-budded ideals or or situation.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, I think that's a really great point. I personally have a hard time identifying any motherhood experience from my own life that is 100% pleasant or unpleasant. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I could tell you 50 things I love about the newborn stage and 50 things I loathe about the newborn stage. Yeah. With toddlers, like with adolescents, right? There's always going to be something that we like and something that we dislike. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, it is not all or nothing. And I think that that can be applied to this whole decision making process. Like, You don't have to feel 100% happy with your decision, Mm, mm -hmm. right? You're allowed to be disappointed. Like when you mentioned the grief of not having your girl, like you can grieve that missed opportunity and feel really happy and grateful with what you have at the same time and feel comfortable and content. Like it can be both.
0: Totally, there was a real relief in knowing that we were done for the sheer sake of like I could get all this stuff out of my house, like you know what I mean. Like I could <laughs> yeah. get rid of all the baby items that were being held onto, all the clothes. Yeah. I have this one like their great family friends are such like family of ours, and they've got a boy, and he's like a year or two behind my youngest, and so they get everything, <laughs> like everything when yeah. when we're done gets out of the house now. So there was like relief. There was knowing that I wouldn't have to go through it again. There was mm-hmm. all of these like positive feelings so in love with each of my boys unique little personalities yeah. but then there was a real grief of you know that bond or that uh, also being kind of like feminist at heart and like really wanting to like raise strong women now i'm raising mm-hmm. strong feminist men and that's also yeah important but yeah there was just some pieces there that were hard want to get smarter about your health but feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction? We hear a lot about gut health, microbiomes, and other nutrition topics, but taking the time to research these is exhausting, and there's a lot of misinformation out there. The Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast makes it so much easier to get the information you need. With the help of world leading scientists, the podcast gives you research-based information so, you can make informed choices for yourself without pressure and guilt. People are loving Zoe Science and Nutrition. Listener Stephanie's Apple Review says the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is a life changing, science based, myth busting podcast that's a must listen for anyone who eats food and wants to understand how it affects their body. With the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, you can join Stephanie and millions of others accessing quality information about their health. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Mom rage often leads us to feeling ashamed. But the truth is that our rage doesn't mean we're bad moms. In fact, anger is a sign from our bodies that our needs aren't being met. As moms and therapists, Dr. Ashirina Reem psyched Mummy and I understand mom rage. We know that we all lose our cool sometimes. And we also know that with the right tools and strategies in place, those moments happen less often. We've teamed up and combined our years of experience to create all the rage, raising kids with less anger and more connection, a course designed to be your go-to resource for preventing and handling your anger. We dive into what causes your anger, how it impacts your body, how to reframe your thinking, and how to stay calm in triggering moments. And because we are all human, we also include strategies for repairing after we inevitably lose our cool. In honor of Maternal Mental Health Week, you can save $20 on the course with promo Rage 20 this week only. Don't miss out on your chance to save and make a positive change. Head to momwell.com slash rage and save with code Rage 20. That's momwell.com slash rage code Rage 20. When you bring up the nothing is like either 100% or black and white, I think that also comes to our sureness or our confidence in our decision. Mm -hmm. Like, I was 100% confident because then we had our third and I was like, that's the cap, Mm -hmm. like, you know, done. But... Some people waver. A good friend of mine, she has two boys, and they debated on a third, and they wavered back and forth. And so she, like you know, they practiced like birth control methods, nothing permanent, until they were ready to make a more permanent decision. And it took a lot of time. And even still, there was like a nagging, like it wasn't a hundred percent. Even still, when they made that more permanent decision. And there's something to be said for that as well. Like it's not 100% certainty, I guess, is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can identify with that. I don't think that I'm 100% certain that I'm done. I say that I'm done right now. Like right now, I don't want to have another baby, but who's to say in like five years that that changes, you know? Right. Right, like I like I mentioned before, I can't imagine having a third right now. And I think that my husband and I are actually pretty, very good examples of like the emotional reasoning and the logical reasoning he's a very logical one. I'm the very emotional one. Like I see the babies and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. Like I remember telling him after I had my second, it was like 10 hours after I gave birth and he's having like a procedure done. So we're on the other side of the window watching the baby in the room. And I look at my husband and I was like, let's do that again. (laughs) And he was like, are you insane? What? So like, I'm really running off of this emotional fuel by like focusing on the things that I really enjoy. And then my husband is running off of this logical fuel, like traveling is easier with two kids. Our home is more equipped for two kids, right? Like we both agree. We don't want to be outnumbered, like childcare costs, like all of these things. Right. And I'm like, but the baby's so cute (laughs) But I agree with him also with that logical thing. But then there's that emotional part of me that makes me feel like I'm not a hundred percent sure. Yeah, you know, like I'm content with being unsure right now. I'm content with saying no right now. But I've also given myself permission and my husband has given us permission too to like, let that stay open, right? Like he says he's done. But I know that if in like a year or two from now, if I sit down and talk with him, like, hey, I'm really thinking about having another baby that we could have that conversation, Mm-hmm. You know,
0: and it speaks to something that I tell my clients all the time. I feel like where we don't make life altering decisions in a peak high or a low low. Yeah. Right. So like, well, I had a very similar experience with my second. He literally I don't even think my husband had cut the umbilical cord yet. And I was like, I could do that yes, again.
1: Exactly.
0: What <laughs> Everybody I said. in the room was like, no. I was like, um, I beg your pardon. It's just the work starts now. You know, like it's just get ready. And sure enough, we ended up doing it again, but just life and dynamics influenced that. But yeah. And so like in this high, high, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like, and it feels empowering Mm -hmm. and it feels lovely with an epidural, very different (laughs) (laughs) than laboring naturally, like, you know, without like medication and things unmedicated. But I think that also when we are in our low lows, we tend to want to make big life Mm -hmm. decisions, maybe not around having children, maybe but I find that sometimes in like the low lows of postpartum, we want to make big relationship and marital decisions. Mm. We want to make like, I don't know, big changes. And it's it's just like not usually a good time because usually I want to say in the high highs or the low lows, I want to say like our emotional brain has taken over Absolutely. and it's hard to bring logic online. Right. Right.
1: You literally don't have access to that part of your brain in those moments. Well, you don't have, like, good access to that part of your brain in those moments, right?
0: Yeah. Gone kind of dark, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It can
1: make things seem really cloudy, Mm. you know? And, like, because we're basing off of that emotion, like I mentioned before, we might get flooded with those emotions and want to make changes based on that regardless of anything else that might be an important factor. Yeah. And some of those things might be really important factors that need to be considered.
0: Right. So like what you and your partner did, buying yourself some time. Mm -hmm. So like if it's until like, you know, we're out of the postpartum period and all the kids are one or two or whatever, or if it's until all the kids are in school and then if we really want to do it, then like maybe the conversation isn't, we need to make a permanent decision right now. Maybe the conversation is no more children for right now. And I'm talking like to those also in the audience who are wrestling with this, right? It's like, maybe the conversation isn't, you know, I'm done forever. Maybe it's I'm done until my littlest is two or three or four. And then we will have a real intentional Mm -hmm. conversation about it again at that point. And like transitions have settled and things are less, you know, and and then we can really decide, do we want to reenter into that? Do we not? Are we supported? Are we prepared? Are we all the
1: things? Mm Mm-hmm. I think I'm trying to remember now because I'm like in the throes of mom brain these days, but I want to say that one of our things that we looked at related to that was when our first started daycare Mm -hmm. because she stayed home with me for the first 18 months. And then around that time, we were starting her in daycare three days a week so that I could start seeing my clients during the day as opposed to during the night when her dad was home. And that just felt like a natural transition for us, right? Mm -hmm. Where we felt that we had the emotional and physical capacity to add another one, right? right? Like I could stay home, I could be with the baby and I wouldn't also have my barely two-year-old to take care of, Right. right? And again, not that you shouldn't do that. But for me personally, I didn't really want to do that. I didn't know that that would be a really accessible thing for me to do. Mm-hmm. You know,
0: it's such an interesting point you're bringing up because I find with myself, or even with a lot of kinds of work with when we gain some capacity, mm-hmm. should we fill it? Should we fill it with another baby? Do we want another baby so for me? Okay. I went through this, And when my littlest who is now four, he started JK in September and I was like, okay, we're all school age. And it was excitement and it was grief Mm -hmm. and it was, there's no babies at home. And it was like, oh my gosh, this stage of motherhood, like the door is closed on this. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it was like, okay, I could, I could go back. Like I could do this again now if I wanted to, like I'm that far out. I feel like I could do it in a such a different way with all I know now. And it could be empowering. It could be so different. Right. But I also could put my capacity into my business. Mm -hmm. I could put my capacity into the things that I'm building. I could put that into me and my creativity and like other areas. And I think that, okay, I got to get on my soapbox for a moment where I think that we're conditioned as women to have children and for that, for motherhood to be our focus in a lot of ways. I don't know. You can agree or disagree. I'm curious no, your thoughts. Like,
1: I do agree. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, just circling back to when we first sat down and started talking this morning, this whole idea of like, how do I know when I'm done? How do I know if it's complete? Like my family, right? Well, like, what does complete even mean to you? You know what I mean? Right. To you, to you, the person. To you. How do you as a mother feel complete? Like shifting that focus from how do I know when my family unit is complete and whole to how do I know when I feel complete and whole? Right. right? And so maybe I have the capacity to have a third child next year. Right. Right. Should I use that capacity to have another baby? I could. You could. Right. Or I could not. Right. Right. Would that make me feel whole and complete? Or just like you said, I have a lot of goals for my business. Yeah. And if I choose to use that capacity for another baby, then these other really big passions of mine, I won't be able to do when I want to do them, right?
0: Right, like, right. Not
1: that I wouldn't be happy with a third child, that that wouldn't bring me a sense of wholeness, right? But I really want these other things to be a part of my definition of wholeness.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's why I like leaned in here a little bit is because I think that we have to just give permission and say that it's okay if we want something else outside of motherhood. If we feel like something is missing, this is a conversation that I feel like comes up a lot behind closed doors with clients. It's like this sort of emptiness or feeling like something is missing. Maybe we've lost ourselves in motherhood and we could have another child or do we not? Like this all factors into the decision. And you don't hear people coming up asking you like, what are your personal goals? Like, what do you want to do? What are your creative outlets? They hear, are you going to add a boy into the mix? Are you going to add a girl into the mix? And it's like, we're so inundated with messages about our role and focus being motherhood that I think we get so lost in the weeds. We can't even like think outside of that role for ourselves Mm -hmm. sometimes. And so I think of it now, like I would say in In a way, I have a fourth baby and it's called my startup business and it gets probably more time right now than my other children, in all honesty, while they're at school. That's great. Right? And it is something that is creative and it makes me feel strong Mm -hmm. and it makes me feel empowered and it's setting an example for my children and it will give my children a better life and like all of these things. And so, again, if we like flag one of these reflection points to think about those motivating things that are driving these decisions? And can we fill that capacity with something else Mm -hmm. for you Mm -hmm. that gives you purpose, that gives you meaning, that makes you feel whole and fulfilled? And if that is a third baby, have at it. Absolutely. By all means, if that's what your heart desires, go for it. But if it's something else or if it can be met in a different way, think about that mm-hmm. for yourself and what could that look like and what could that be, you know? Oh, and that's such a
1: hard question for moms to answer, mm-hmm. right? Like every single one of my moms that I work with, they're like, what is a hobby? I don't know what that is, right? We're so far removed. Yeah. This might be a whole nother conversation about mothers being the default parent and carrying the invisible load and genuinely feeling they are not capable of of having things outside of motherhood, right?
0: Right, it's this all-consuming role, And I
1: think that that can be really scary when we ask ourselves, okay, well, how else would I like to fill my life? And what else would make me feel whole? And when we can't think of anything, it's like, okay, well, then I guess baby is the answer, right? And yeah, that's not to say that that's the wrong answer or that we shouldn't do that, but I see a lot of moms kind of taking that route because they really struggle to identify other things that they feel Mm. passionate about.
0: Yeah, I can see that. And how long you've been in motherhood, how far removed you are from yourself, your own identity, right? Like when we sacrifice our needs and our desires for people day in and day out and we don't prioritize Mm -hmm. ourselves, we lose sight of who we are, frankly, and it is scary to lean into that and to explore it and to rediscover. And it almost seems familiar maybe to fill that space with another child. Like we know, mm-hmm. like we've done this. There's like, I don't know, yeah. a familiarity there. Whereas to rediscover who we are or carve out our identity outside of motherhood, well, that's the whole undertaking sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Like that's got some, some digging and reflection and some work to it, I would say, but also, it's kind of like the two ounces of pain up front versus two tons of regret. Because eventually, I think about my kids going to school. I think about them going to high school, and then a wave no. to school. And I'm going to be like, oh my gosh, you know. <laughs> and if our identity for the, all of these life cycles, all the way until they leave for college or whatever is just so wrapped up in motherhood, at some point, we reach a threshold or a shift where... Mm-hmm it isn't as all consuming or it doesn't need us as much as it does right now in these early years. And to feel needed feels really overwhelming sometimes and really Mm -hmm. good other times. And so even if we just are like wetting our feet a little bit and exploring with what that identity could be and what those new interests could be just to, I don't know, get the ball rolling a little bit. What do you think?
1: I absolutely agree. It just makes me think about when we feel like we need to fill that space with another baby, right? And what is that gut feeling, right? If your gut is like, that is not really what I want to do, or that is really what I want to do, is that you're not doing anything wrong with whatever decision you make. Like if you absolutely do not want to do that again, and you absolutely have no idea what you want to do instead, that's okay. Like lean into that, honor that, hold space for that, uncertainty. Mm-mm, right. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 do also want to touch on how if having more children is your passion and that's what makes you feel whole and complete that that is okay too. Like if yeah. you don't have a lot of things outside of motherhood and parenting, I think a lot of moms might get shamed for that sometimes. Like you need to mm-hmm, not lose yourself. Mm-hmm. You need to have like things that you do without your kids all the time. And yes, I think that's important, But for some people, that's not as important to them. Like they're okay with being in this space of wherever they are. And they might be okay with their kids going off to college and suddenly not knowing what they want to do and like using that time to figure it out. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It makes me think of my maid of honor for my wedding. Like she's got three girls. Mm. (laughs) I've got three boys. Life is so Mm -hmm. strange in retrospect, looking back. And like we couldn't be more different in our approaches to mm-hmm. mothering. I want to say in our values, potentially even for our families, which is neither here nor there. They're just different and they're our own. But she very much is like, she's going to probably stay at home their whole duration of their life. She makes mm-hmm. all their food scratch. Like she's like the best in this role that she just loves. You know, like she genuinely loves it. Mm-hmm. And like, that is great. And that is amazing for her if it's meeting her right. needs and if she's feeling fulfilled and satisfied. And if it's in line with the values that they have for the family, then that is great for them. You know, it really, I think, comes down to at the end of the day, like, what are your values right. and what are your desires and wants? Mm-hmm. Right. Right versus what we feel like we should do. Like mm-hmm. should I have a girl? Do we need this nuclear family? Right. Are, am I one and done? Do I truly even want to have another baby altogether? Like versus like all of these external pressures coming in to make the decision. Like internally really understanding what those values and gut things are, mm-hmm. right? And whatever that is for you is okay, even if it's mm-hmm. different or even if it's in line with what the norms are, whatever right. it is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like we're almost at time and I have so much <laughs> we didn't even get to about like partners and not being in agreement and working towards acceptance. And there's so, so many pieces here, but this identity piece kind of sprung up. And I think it's a really important part of the conversation mm-hmm. because so much of who we are and our identity is wrapped up in this role and in our children and yeah, it makes sense that it is, but also- yeah. Like, what does that mean for us? So, okay, I'll do a little recap and then maybe we will end on how we can find some acceptance in the decision that we do end up mm. making. Because we've talked about how we want to make decisions with our wise mind. So we want to look at all the emotional reasoning and we want to respect it and honor it. We want to look at all the logical pieces as well and respect and honor those and try and combine them to make a decision. We want to consider as you had mentioned, that sort of roadmap or that ideal that we're bringing into the situation, how we think a family should look and should be, and really maybe question why and if that looks good for us and whether we want that. And then really, what are we hoping to gain and what are we hoping to fill? And what are some of those sort of identity questions when it comes to bringing another baby into the family? And a reminder that those decisions don't have to be all or nothing Mm -hmm. and that they can sit with some uncertainty. Maybe we're like 60, 40, I'm 60 on the, we're just going to go on like a IUD or some birth control. We're going to wait it out a year Mm -hmm. or two and like reevaluate then, you know? And let's say that they've done some of those things and we've reflected, or maybe even just in listening to our conversation today, it's like, okay, I'm going to park this for a year or two. Right. How do we be okay with that? You know?
1: I think giving ourselves permission to not have to be certain. Mm. Like giving ourselves permission to not know. Giving ourselves permission and like to be okay with this being something that does not have to be 100% Secure, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to like our partners getting on board with, that, I know we didn't really get to you know talk about that like you wanted to, but getting to a place of like if we're disagreeing or we're not on the same page, accepting that in a way of doing what you can to understand each other's thoughts and feelings and opinions on it. Remembering that our goal is not necessarily to change their mind. Our goal is not necessarily to get to a certain decision right? So just kind of allowing it to be in the gray area Mm -hmm. and kind of relabeling that and like redefining what it means to be in a gray area. Like, oh, you don't know what you want? That's not good. Like, it's okay. It's okay if we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay if we come back to this. It's okay if I flip-flop every single day. It's okay if I love certain things about it and hate certain things about it. Like it's okay for there to be a duality in it.
0: Yeah, and and as you mentioned, that seeking to understand their position and not to change it, I think is really important because mm-hmm. it's that reflection on like, well, why, why do I want another child so strongly? And why do they not? Or vice versa, like it's right. the other way around sometimes as well, um, where I'm like, my body ain't doing it. It's not happening. And then, but they have Mm -hmm. this vision of this big family (laughs) or whatever. So I think it goes both ways, but seeking to understand, again, the factors that we talked about today, what plays into that desire to be so strong for us or our partner? And how do we lay that in and have some productive conversations about it too, Mm -hmm. is a big piece of it. Oh my gosh. I feel like decisions and partners that's another episode of noting it it's gotta happen because all the decisions that yeah. we can um, <laughs> come up against so right oh my goodness this was so lovely I could chat with you all day long I feel like no oh, thanks where can people find you I know you're on instagram and you're sharing resources with moms where can they find more from you
1: yeah um everything's on my website I've got you know information about therapy pmads there's some free downloads I am in the idea phase of starting up that motherhood support group again, so that may be on there pretty soon. It's funny because it feels like this is relevant to the conversation, but I stopped doing that group when I had my second baby because I didn't have the capacity for it, and now I feel like I do, so I'm like, all right, how do I want to fill that? Do I want to start the group up? Yeah. But anyways, there's a lot of that stuff on there, and all my contact information is there, so...
0: And we'll link all of that in the show notes so people can easily click through and find you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and joining us today. It's been so great. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Listening back to this episode again, it's so clear why it resonated with so many of you. Sometimes the answer of whether or not to have another baby feels very clear, but I think it's far more common to spend a lot of time worrying about the decision and wondering I had to navigate quite a bit of grief after my third. I was completely sure that I didn't want another baby, but I also had to let go of something i had envisioned for a while, being a mom to a little girl. For many of us, the vision of what we thought things would look like for our family is hard to let go of. But the truth is that we need to make decisions based on our reality, encompassing all of those emotions and logical factors that Kate and I discussed. And even when we sit down and consider each of those factors, Making the decision is often very difficult. Sometimes putting a pause on the decision if we're able to is the kindest thing we can do for ourselves, especially if the choice feels heavy or all-encompassing. I want to highlight a big takeaway from the episode that I think is very important. Sometimes as our children grow, we find ourselves with capacity. And for many of us, with motherhood being so intertwined with our identity, that capacity can feel uncomfortable we can start to wonder if we should fill it with a baby. And that might be the best decision for you and your family. But for some of you, it might not be. There might be other avenues to explore, other ways to use that capacity, other passions and interests that you've put a hold on. I hope that if you're in the consideration phase, that you take this quote from the episode to heart. Maybe instead of asking moms if their family feels complete, we should ask them what would make them as individuals feel complete. Ultimately, there is no one right or wrong answer. Nobody can decide for you, or even give you a roadmap that leads you to the decision. But I hope that this episode at least gives you a guide for how to unpack your own feelings, your practical factors, and to understand the emotional pull that you are feeling. This episode is really special to me, not just because it became so popular and started so many great discussions within the community but because it also paved the way for many other episodes centered around decision-making in other parts of parenthood. If you find yourself struggling with making choices, you are definitely not alone. And I would encourage you to revisit some of our other episodes as well, including episode 162, How to Make Decisions with Confidence with Dr. Quincy Gideon, episode 182 on Making the Right Parenting Decisions with New York Times bestselling author, Emily Oster, and episode 165, How Birth Trauma Impacts Our Family Decision-Making with clinical social worker, Kaylee Summers. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear why. This is a topic that I would love to continue to revisit, and I wanna know what you as the community are looking for. Leave a review or send me a DM with your thoughts. And if you're coping with grief around your decision, working with a mom therapist can help. For a free virtual consultation with one of our specialists, head to momwell.com slash booking. That's momwell.com slash booking. I'll see you right back here, same time, same place next week, where I'm being joined by Dr. Kara Goodwin to discuss how to avoid information overload. You don't want to miss it. I'll see you right back here next week. I can't even begin to tell you how happy and honored I am that you choose to spend your time here with me each week. If you're looking for resources or links from today's show, or you need a refresh on anything we've talked about, visit our show notes. You can find the link in the episode description, or you can head directly to momwell.com slash To join the MomWell email list and be the first one to know about new episode drops, insider info, or freebies, head to momwell.com newsletter. Join me next week. Until then, remember that you have to be well to MomWell.